We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Indiana, home of Pacers basketball. Miller for three, and he got it. Legends have been born. Miller retreats to the three-point line and hits again. Memories have been made. Caliburn, a deep three for the lead. And baby! Great basketball has been played. Nembhard away. Hits the three and the Wazzaro In 49 states. It's just basketball. Flips it to the big fella, fake shoots, and But this, this is Indiana. And you're listening to Setting the Pace. Let's go! Your go-to Pacers podcast. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. We got paces hooping. Let's talk stats. Hot takes. All fast. New topics. Updates. Three pointers. Fast breaks. We keep scoring. We don't need to stop. New episodes. Weekly drops. This your number one podcast. Hooping every team. We gon' need a mop. Setting like pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Pacer Nation, what's going on? Welcome to a weekend episode here of Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast. The Indiana Pacers win a thriller. Obi Toppin hits the game winner, 133-131 over the Phoenix Suns. And here to talk to me about this game is a man who called it himself, Chris Denary. Chris, thanks for joining. Hey, great to be with you, Alex. Uh, I know Fachi probably is uh, fired up about this one. I know he'd love to talk about it, but I'll do my best to take his place tonight. But just a fantastic game. I mean, the atmosphere at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. I mean, what can I say? Um, you know, it, it, when Obi made that basket and Phoenix called a timeout, Quinn and I just didn't talk. We let the crowd tell the story. And uh, just a great night uh, to beat both Philadelphia and Phoenix on back-to-back nights, uh, snapping a six-game win streak from the 76ers and a seven-game win streak uh, for the Phoenix Suns. Doesn't get any better than that. No doubt about it. I think it's been an interesting week for the Pacers, playing two dominant big men in Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid on Tuesday and Thursday. Then you go and play a Phoenix Suns team that their big man's, you know, Yusuf Nurkic, who's not going to play a lot. And they go to this death lineup with Kevin Durant at the five, and it really makes the Pacers play a different style. We saw in the second half, Buddy Heald gets benched, 
They play Pascal Siakam at the three and insert Obi Toppin into that first five. Curious your thoughts on how Rick Carlisle just used all these different players that he has to try to match up with this death lineup. Well, that's that's what I really admire about Rick uh, from the standpoint. Look at how this team will close games. It's ne it's never the same people, right? I mean, think about it. Benedict Matherin was in that closing lineup tonight um, against Phoenix, but I think the other night in Denver, he was not. Um, you know, Rick likes to ride the people that are doing the best that particular night. It may be somebody different the next night. Um, so, yeah, I mean, did it surprise me a little bit? Uh, when they started the second half, but but they also needed a push. Uh, they needed to be a little bit bigger, and that's what they got. Um, and you know that's that's where I really admire Rick because he he coaches, and it doesn't matter who's on the floor. He's going to go with the people in that particular uh, time, possession, all those kinds of things that he thinks can do the best job and help you win the game. I, I love that about Rick too, and I, I think he even said it in the post game. Uh, press conference talking about you know Jairus Walker, Ben Shepard. They can look at guys like Aaron Neesmith, Pascal Siakam, who earned their way to getting the playing time they got. And you know it's not handed to you; you have to earn it. And and we saw some great play from those individuals tonight. Now, before we get into those guys, I just I want to talk about the resiliency of this team because you had a hot Devin Booker, twenty nine points in the first quarter. I believe that's an NBA record for most points in a quarter. I mean Devin Booker was just on fire. And he finishes the game with 62 points, but the Pacers they were just re they were uh, resilient. They didn't allow Phoenix, who felt like they couldn't miss a shot, to you know to keep them down. Every time the Pacers would cut the lead to three or five, it's like the Suns would make two or three more baskets, get the lead back up to seven or nine, and Indiana was just constantly scratching and clawing to get back into the game until they finally did it. But what was your overall thoughts on just the resiliency of this team and this fight they had? Well, I mean, so much has been made about the Pacers' defense, and I think over the last 15 to 17 games, it's been much better. I mean, they've been uh, 28th, 29th uh, in defensive efficiency, and over the last, you know, 15-plus games, they've been right around 15 or 16, not top 10, but definitely much better. And, and I go to that fourth quarter tonight, Phoenix shot 67% from the field through three quarters. In the fourth quarter, they shot 31%, and they were one of 10 from three. Mm -hmm. Now, some of it could be, yeah, they missed some shots, but I just thought the Pacers uh, locked down defensively. Uh, Neesmith was great. Uh, Pascal was great. Uh, Toppin did a really good job, and, and, and they put themselves in position to win. And you're right. There were so many times in, in the fourth quarter where the Pacers would cut it to three or four, have an opportunity to, to cut it to one or two, and they'd miss a shot. I think Jalen Smith had two three-point shots that rimmed around, and then all of a sudden Phoenix would get it back to nine. Um, so you got to give the team a great amount of credit because, one, they battled back from a 17-point deficit in the first half. They gave up 80 points in the first half, and in the second half they held the Suns to 51. So uh, I think you just have to give a lot of credit uh, to this team defensively. We know how good they are offensively, but I think we've all seen them make, uh, you know, subtle improvement over the last month and a half uh, defensively. Yeah, they really have taken a step forward, and I'm really glad that Rick Carlisle and the, and the coaching staff did make that adjustment to emphasize taking a step on defense by maybe taking a step back offensively, but still 133 points is not taking a, a step back offensively. They're just 
you know, they're figuring things out. And I think that change with Jalen Smith into the starting five was the starting point of all of that being shifted into that direction of, of playing better defense. And now you get Pascal Siakam, you know, what a, what a week it's been since we've had Pascal Siakam as a pacer, obviously didn't get off to a hot start, but these last two games, it really feels like he's starting to settle in. What have you noticed differently from just how he's played the last couple of games compared to the first three? Well, I mean, think about the first 48 hours. I talked to him a week ago and he had barely slept in the trade from Toronto going to Indianapolis and then flying west to meet his team. And he didn't have his first practice, um, you know, until Wednesday, uh, the day before the last two back-to-back. So I think it gives you great comfort when you can be on the practice floor with your teammates and go through things. And, you know, really the scoreboard's not, you know, they're not counting the score. And then that set the table for him on Thursday and Friday. He goes for a triple-double against the 76ers. And then he goes for 31 uh, Friday night against Phoenix. So, uh, I mean, he's a guy that can get his own shot. He's a very willing passer. I mean, he averages five assists per game. I think he fits into what the Pacers are trying to do, no question. And he's got size. And that's the one thing that Rick Carlisle did when they made that lineup change. When they inserted Jalen Smith, it gave them more size. Now they've got Pascal Siakam starting in that uh you know, four-man role, but he can also play the three and the five. We saw him play the five um, in the latter stages of the game. When Phoenix was playing Kevin Durant, as you said, as they call it, their death lineup, then Pascal Siakam was playing the five. So he's just a versatile player. Um, He's a two-time All-Star, a two-time All-NBA player, and now he's a member of the Pacers. And I think what we've seen him accomplish in five games has been really, really good. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I think you can just say the last five games is a great reason why Pacer fans and, and people that cover this team have been begging for Indiana to go out and get a true power forward. But, you know, patience comes to the, you know, good things come to those who wait and patience paid off. And now the Pacers are really ready to start 
playing competitive basketball. They've got a guy like Pascal Siakam. I, I think Jeremiah Johnson said it on the sideline guys uh, episode talking about, you know, it feels like the playoffs are what we're expecting now with this trade. So it, it definitely gets things into it. You know, you put things in perspective and you realize just how important having sizes on your team, because too many times we were seeing guys like Andrew Nimhard, Aaron Neesmith having a guard like the Kevin Durant and guys that are so much taller. But now you have a guy like Pascal Siakam, who's got that long wingspan that can definitely make it more challenging. Because, I mean, you'll live with Kevin Durant, 20 points on 9 of 15 shooting. That's a pretty good night defensively yeah. on him. Obviously, Booker, 62 points. But keeping everybody else from getting hot was really key. Oh, yeah, no question. I mean, you know, they've got the big three, Bradley Beal. I mean, 12 points. Um, I mean, and, and, and you'll handle that. And as you said, you know, Durant, 9 of 16. He has 20 points, seven rebounds, six assists. You'll live with that because this is a guy that, you know, had a run of 20 plus games where he was scoring 25 or more points. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they have so many guys that 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 can do it to you. And, and I think, you know, what has happened is, is we've seen this team when the when the season started, they had great depth. And, you know, Bruce Brown was a part of that. Well, to make a trade to get somebody like Pascal Siakam, you've got to give up a good player. The Pacers did. You gave up draft picks that you had next summer. But as I said, when you look at this team, you've got a lot of young players. You want to add somebody like Pascal Siakam to this roster. Um, you don't necessarily need those young people because you've got Neesmith, Halliburton, Matherin, Nemhard, Jalen Smith. They're all right around the same age. So I, I think... I mean, Obi Toppin has been terrific off the bench. I mean, he didn't hang his head when he was taken out of the starting lineup. And you look at a night like tonight, he has his first double-double as a pacer, 23-11, 10 of 15 from the field, has the big offensive rebound that gives the pacers the win. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you knew you, knew you were going to have some rough times. You knew that six-game road trip would be tough especially without Tyrese Halliburton. But before we went on, I told you, last year, without Tyrese Halliburton, the Pacers were 7-19. and 19. They played 26 games with, without Ty. They were 7-19. and 19. They've played 12 games thus far without him. They're 6-6. Six and six. So I think this team is better equipped. Again, they need him. They want him. He's an all-star. Uh, but they're better equipped to survive without him than they were a year ago. And that just shows you the growth this team has had and 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 the moves that Kevin Pritchard, Chad Buchanan, and the front office have made to get the right guys in here. You know, Obi Toppin, they didn't have to pay too much to get him. Two two second-round picks that were not great, but you get a guy in Obi Toppin, and look what he does tonight. I mean, I know he had a great game against Philadelphia in the in-season tournament game, but aside from that, I, I think you can make the case that this might be the best game we've seen from Obi Toppin all season long. Oh, no question. And he didn't hit a three. I mean, this is a guy that's been a better than 40% three-point shooter throughout the year. And he did all of that on the offensive end, uh, you know, without a three-point field goal. I mean, he had six big offensive rebounds. The Pacers had 21 offensive rebounds, and they had 23 second-chance points. Um, that was huge, and Obi was a big part of that. Yeah, I mean, and you talk about that. I mean, they had 20 more shot attempts, too, than the, than the Phoenix Suns, which – that's a big difference, you know, in a 133-131 game. And I was getting frustrated watching this team shoot free throws. Pascal, I think, missed two. Obi Toppin missed one. It was like, we really needed those free throws, but they were able to pull it out. But I, do you think that, you know, free throws might be a bit of a concern for maybe someone like Pascal who 
in the first couple of games has missed some timely free throws? Uh, you know, it's it, it's something that you're concerned about when you look at free throw shooting. But the other night they shot better. They uh, you know, The thing that I look at, Alex, is this was another night where they didn't shoot the three very well. They yeah. were 8 of 26 at 31%, but another win for them. And I think that's good because, you know, so many times you can live and die by the three. And this team is, a, I, I think, a really good three-point shooting team. But the fact that they can win a game going 9 of 15 from the free throw line, and eight of 26 from three, I think says a lot. And I, I think those numbers we talked about, the rebound numbers were huge. Um, they are now 15 and four, I think, when they out-rebound teams. And they out-rebounded the Suns 49-38, and they had 21 offensive rebounds. So they didn't allow the poor free throw shooting and the poor three-point shooting to set them back. They did other things that gave them the chance to win. And that's a great point. I mean, it was a team effort. I don't feel like it was just one individual that really, like, put this team on their back. But a much better game for Andrew Nimhart. I thought Andrew Nimhart was pretty good last night against Philadelphia on Thursday night. But Friday night, only one turnover compared to the six he had previously in, in the game against Philadelphia, which I thought was a bit of a concern. But 22 points, and he really attacked Grayson Allen there at the end and just kind of said, okay, I've got the mismatch. I've, I'm, I'm here for this moment. And he made basket after basket there. And I was just really impressed to see Nimhart's confidence and the trust that they had in him to attack that mismatch, especially with the game in the balance. Oh, no question. He had some big shots. I mean, he tied the game, what, two, three times in that fourth quarter. Um, you know, I think he's – I say this, he's starting to get comfortable. Think about how much time he's missed. He's been in and out of the lineup. He's missed 14 games due to an assortment of injuries. You know, he got, he got started early in the year – where he was out uh, with the kidney stone. Uh, he's had a, a sore lower back. He's had some other issues. So it, it's like now he's starting to get comfortable. Um, we saw this during his rookie year. I mean, the big game he had at Golden State last year, uh, the shot he hit over LeBron to beat the Lakers uh, in L.A. This guy is very capable. Um, he, he wants the basketball. He's a great leader and uh, couldn't be happier for him. I mean, he goes for 22-8. and eight, a night after he goes for 19 and eight um, and the Pacers needed all of that. And Rick Carlisle has said, look, as, as good as Tyrese Halliburton is, he's now an all-star starter in the Eastern conference. We're at our best when we have multiple guys help every night. And that's defensively, offensively. I mean, they only had, I say only, they only had six in double figures uh, tonight um, you know, they've had seven in double figures 17 times. No other team has had, had that happen more than eight times this year. Oh, I mean, wow. that tells you, you know, what this team is all about. And when they have seven in double figures, they're 14 and three. Um, so I think that's that, that in a nutshell tells you what this Pacers team is all about. And that's what they've been talking about. I mean, the front office was talking about that at the beginning of the season, the strength in numbers. That's They really believed in that. And we're seeing it come to fruition. I mean, this team, they're really balanced. And it's like, you never know who it's going to be on any given night. Like last night, Miles Turner against Philadelphia had a great game. This game, it was a tough matchup for him. You know, trying to have him guard a Kevin Durant in space is not likely the best option. So you do maybe have to go a little bit smaller and he might only get 18 minutes in the game. But, you know, when he's out there, he can still impact the game, still be a good player and not feel like, um, you know, you're losing a lot when he's out there. But also, I just love how he was so into the game as well yeah. on, the, on the bench because a lot of people think, oh, man, you're, you're starting center that's been here the longest. 
<laughs> of any pacer only plays 18 minutes when he wasn't even in foul trouble. What was going on there? But he was a good teammate. He knew this matchup was a bit of a, a tough one for him and, and what they tried to do with Phoenix. So I just think, you know, we're seeing a lot of growth from everybody from top to bottom, but you know, Miles Turner, I, I just continue to be impressed with how he's grown as a player over the last couple of years. Oh, no question. And, and, and you look at it, you know, we got word that Nurkic uh, it was not coming back. So they, yeah. they had no opportunity to go big. I thought Drew Eubanks did a nice job for, for them, but he's not going to be out, out there in crunch time. So their only option, and it's an option they like, was to put Kevin Durant at the five. And that meant that you were going to probably put Pascal Siakam at the five. And so uh, Rick Carlisle is trying to win the game. Uh, he's, I, I can assure you that nobody's feelings are hurt. This is a team that knows each night it could be somebody different that is going to be a difference maker on the floor. And tonight, it was the fivesome of Neesmith, Siakam, uh, Nemhard, Matherin, and Toppin. Those were the five guys that closed the game, and those were the five guys that uh, made some impact plays down the stretch. we got to talk about Aaron Neesmith now. I've been trying to save it because I wanted to save the best for last, right? I mean, Aaron Neesmith has just been phenomenal this season, and we're just continuing to see him grow. We talked about this before we even came on the pod. We're just so excited about you know, who Aaron Neesmith can become and just what he means for this franchise. But when a guy's dropping 62 points on you and you're trying everything you can to stop him and he just keeps hitting tough basket after basket, but to never give up. I love that about Aaron Neesmith, the block that he had after I think Booker even got him on the way up on a layup. He runs down the court. He blocks Devin Booker's three-point shot out of bounds. And he just, he never gives up on any play. I mean, I know you and Neesmith, have a fun little ritual you guys do. You told me this before the game. So what have been your overall thoughts on Neesmith, but specifically this game and just how he impacted winning? Oh, I love the kid. I mean, I really do. I mean, he has this uh, thing where it's like the boxing. And if we're sitting there courtside, what happens is, and it, if people watch the games, when we come out of the break and we're doing the starting lineups, I'm trying to concentrate on giving the lineups, but I got a line of all the pacers fist bumping and you know it's just something they do ty comes by buddy everybody and neesmith will give me the boxing like the shadow boxing and he's even done it when we're up in 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 road games i'll be at shoot around he'll say hey are you on the floor i go no i'm up because i'll be looking for you and so um you know he's just a guy that i'm sure boston when they made the trade hated to give up i know brad stevens loved him but to, to get somebody, you got to give up somebody. And at the time, they felt that Malcolm Brogdon was the piece that they needed. They since have converted that into to Drew Holiday. But, uh, you know, to show how valuable he is to the Pacers, I mean, they've already, you know, they signed him to a three-year deal, uh, you know, the next three years. And, you know, you look at his numbers tonight, 22-7, three assists, two blocks, three of six from three. And think about it, the night that he had to deal with Booker, the last possession of the game, he's got to defend him to make sure he doesn't hit a three to beat the Pacers. So, uh, you know, he's just he's just been very, very consistent, Alex. I mean, he doesn't usually have a bad night. Um, he's always giving it his all and uh, just a tremendous performance uh, tonight. He had 22. Somebody would say, well, he gave up 40. His difference is 40. No, uh, Booker would have hit those shots against anybody. Um, and uh, but Aaron Neesmith uh, has been just a, a really, really good player for the Pacers this year. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Is this one of the best defensive front courts you've seen in the past maybe 10 years with Neesmith, Siakam, and Turner? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I go back, um, you know, to those Eastern Conference Finals teams when you had Roy Hibbert and you had David West and Paul George. That was that was a really good defensive threesome. But the game is much different now. It's it, This NBA game is far more explosive, far more offensive um, than it was back then. I, I heard... Uh, Frank Vogel do an interview here in Indianapolis on game day uh, with JMV on, on the fan. And they were talking about JMV asked him about, you know, what, what number do you try to look at from a defensive standpoint? How many points do you try to give up? And Frank goes, it's, it's really not about points. It's about defensive efficiency. And we want to be around 108, 109, 110, somewhere in there. And he laughed and he said, Back when I coached the Pacers in 2013 and 14, our defensive rating was like 96. I mean, that's how the game has changed. It's just yeah. it's just a much different game. So I think, you know, for the group that we're seeing now, and we've only seen them in a handful of games, Neesmith, Siakam, and Turner can definitely uh, do pretty good things from a defensive end up front. I agree, and I, and I think they're only going to get better the more they play together. And once they get Tyrese back in the fold, it'll be interesting to see what that defense does look like because there is a little bit of, you know, uh, maybe the defense gets a little better with Ty not playing because we know he's not a great defender and Andrew Nimhard being put into the starting lineup for him. I think that does get your backcourt a little bit more defensive-minded, but I think there's a good chance Andrew Nimhard stays in the starting lineup when Tyrese returns. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens because they could start Buddy, they... You know, they, they could start Nimhart. I don't think they'll go to Matherin just because he's been consistently coming off the bench, but they do have some options there. I'm curious, who do you think makes more sense next to Tyrese? I, I think either one. I, you know, we have seen Nimhart paired with with Halliburton a year ago. Uh, I'm trying to think if we've even seen them together that much this year from a starting standpoint. I think we have. Just a little but, bit, but, yeah. Yeah, but, but I think either way they go, I mean, I, I think they have a solid 10 or 11 that they can rotate in. And, and, and honestly, when Ty comes back, I'm not even including at that point, Ben Shepard and Jairus Walker, who have proven that, that they can do some good things with extended minutes. And then you have Isaiah Jackson. I mean, when you have Ty back and everybody's healthy, you have 13 players that can help you on any given night. And, and I think that's a very, that's a strong positive because, we know, just look at the front half of the schedule. The Pacers have played 46 games. Jalen Smith's missed 14. Nemhard's missed 14. Uh, Tyrese has now missed 12. And you've had guys miss a handful of games. So you're never going to have, for the most part, everybody available. So that depth is only going to help this team moving forward. Um, and I think, I think there will be opportunities for Rick to make that call. And it could be different games he decides to go different ways. But um, you know, I mean, we saw Buddy Heald in back-to-back -back games make five and six threes. So um, tonight was a night where Rick went with the guys that he thought could win the game, and ultimately the guys won. No doubt about it. I, I trust Rick Carlisle. He's been coaching 
a lot of basketball his entire life. So he knows exactly what he needs to do to get this the best out of this team. I mean, I was uh, I've always been kind of frustrated when I see fans say, oh, Rick's holding these players back. You know, Rick should be playing Jairus more. He should be playing Matherin more. He doesn't like playing young guys. He's just trying to really like, you know, implement like, oh, I got to play these veterans. I can't play young guys. But I love what Draymond Green said the other day about Ben Matherin. I don't know if you heard that clip or not, but. Draymond on his podcast was talking about how the Pacers, you know, reaching that next level, it really could come down to just Benedict Matherin's development and growth. But I like that he said, you know, it's a learning process. You know, they're trying to groom him into what he needs to become. And it just takes time. And I thought, you know, so many people get frustrated with the lack of minutes that maybe he's playing or the role that he's in. But I just think that if you have any doubts about Rick Carlisle, you should probably just stop because since Rick yeah. Carlisle has been here, look at how this team has turned around so quickly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's no question. You know, two years ago, you win 25. Last year, you would have won more if Tyrese and Miles wouldn't have gotten hurt. Um, and so the rebuild, as Rick has said, is has gone much quicker than they thought. And this is a team that's focused on wanting to be in the playoffs. And some people would say the next step would be going into the play-in tournament and then trying to advance to the playoffs. This team is saying, hey, we want to be in the top six. We want to guarantee our uh, spot in the playoffs. So... Um, you know, still a long way to go. Uh, it, it's hard for me to say that there's only 36 games left. I mean, they've played 46 now. Uh, they've gotten through a very difficult part of the schedule. Uh, this week will cap um, in Boston on Tuesday 17 games in 30 days. Mm. I mean, that's an amazing stretch of basketball. And so, uh, you know, if they can come out with a with a nice win on Sunday against Memphis – and then go to Boston in the uh, you know, only national game that was on the schedule. It's a game that I'll be at TD Garden, but just watching as a fan. Um, you know, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, I, I think, you know, having been in the building all year, Alex, and, and I can tell you tonight, it was awesome. I mean, it was, it was like a playoff game. Uh, there's no question about that. We, we felt that in the Boston game in the in-season tournament. Um, tonight, this this team has been a treat for its fans, and the fans have responded as well. It was a high scoring affair, and you told me before we started the Pacers are now two and zero. Yeah, give up eighty points or more. And the first yeah, they game. gave up eighty. They gave up eighty six in the first half in Atlanta in that uh, in that game, and they came back and won. And they gave up eighty tonight, and they came back and won. And I made the note, I think. So the eighty points in the first in a half was the sixteenth time. In Pacers history, they had given up 80 or more points and a half. And it's the second straight game that they've won. So, well, hey, we just got to start letting teams score 80 points in the first <laughs> half. And it looks like we're going to get a victory based on the two game sample size here. But uh, uh, I, I really don't think we want to see that. But I, what'd you say our other stat was when we score 70 points in a, in a first half? Was it nine and one? Uh, yeah. Uh, let me look at my little chart here. Uh, nine and one when they score 70 in the first half. Man, 70 or more. That's a little bit of a better sample size right there. So. I mean, think about this, Alex. They scored 70 in the first half 10 times and 70 in the second half 12 times. So they're 9-1 and one when they score 70 in the first half. They're 10-2 and two when they score 70 in the second half. Okay, so just score 70 points in either of the halves, and it's a good chance they're going to win. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I like the numbers. They're, they speak largely for themselves. But, Chris – I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. It was a lot of fun. And like you mentioned, the arena was just electric. You could feel it even at home watching it. 
just the fan base going crazy for this win. And I know there's a lot of Kentucky fans there, a lot of Devin Booker fans there, but they got the Devin Booker show and they also got a Pacers win. So, I mean, win-win for all those uh, Kentucky Wildcat fans and Pacer fans there. I mean, just a great night for them. Yeah, saw a great performance. The former Wildcats scored 62, but they got beat. Yeah, and they also got to see Oscar Sheeway's team win, right? So That's right. Yeah, the better Kentucky player, right? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, so thanks so much, Chris. And anything you want to plug before we go? No, I, uh, you know, I just, I, I try to be active on Twitter. I mean, game night is sort of tough. I mean, uh, so I really haven't posted anything about this game. I'll try to post something this weekend, but uh, uh, looking forward to Sunday, uh, fourth and final game of this homestand and see if the Pacers can go three and one. And if they can do that and head to Boston, feel really good. That'd be awesome. If they can close out this month on like a four game winning streak, that would be really nice heading into February. But Chris, I want to thank you so much for coming on. You know how we end this show. So I got to set you up. You know, Fachi always hits for the Let's Go Pacers. But since he's not here and you're filling in for him, Chris, if you're hoping the Pacers get another victory on Sunday night against the Memphis Grizzlies. All right, let's go Pacers. Let's go Pacers. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.